to It's a Musical Podcast. The podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he hasn't seen, and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. And I'm Drew. And we are thinking about Dem Bills today. Yes. And how we are going to pay... Rent. Yes, because we're covering Rent, the musical. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Surely there has to be more to it than that. Yeah, there's definitely more to the plot than just how are we going to pay rent. Okay. I would say. (laughs) This is another musical where I know very, very little. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you're going to be talking more at this point than I am. What do you know about it that's not plot related to start with? Okay, so I know Adina Menzel Mm -hmm. is in it. Yep. I don't know how early into her career this is. Yeah. I don't know if this is where she got her big break that led to Wicked. I don't know if this is something that she's starred in a revival of post-Wicked. Yeah. Obviously, I know this predates Elsa. Yeah. Probably predates Enchanted too. It definitely predates Enchanted. But was she the originator of this role that she plays? She was, yeah. So then I'm assuming we're watching filmed version of the stage show no so watching a movie yeah so the movie that we're watching actually stars six of the original cast cool yeah and she was one of the key ones that returned Mm -hmm. which is what i would always prefer is to see a filmed version like fine make it into a film do Mm -hmm. it as you know film on locations and things yeah but use your broadway actors why not agree wholeheartedly with that there is a filmed version of rent yeah it is the anniversary special i believe they and they got most of the original cast back together to do it in the the same style as newsies yes and they filmed the stage performance of it however this is possibly the best known filmed version of it so this is the one we're going to go with and this is the one i've seen over and over again I also know that it was parodied in Team America World Police. So I have absolutely no idea what that is. It's a film by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, famous mm-hmm. for South Park and famous for Book of Mormon. Yeah. Now, as you've told me before, Book of Mormon, the songs from that are actually... Parodies and references. To other songs. Yeah. I know you other Broadway songs. Yeah. yeah, I know you've not seen South Park the musical, the movie. No, but there's songs in that certainly. I've always been aware that there's the parody to One Day More from Les Mis. There's a parody of, I guess, Alan Menken's style mm-hmm. within that. There's a song which is the I Want song, but it's very reminiscent of Part of Your World. Yeah. Or somewhere that's wet. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that they love that kind of humour, but that reference to it. Yeah. I imagine that the song that is referenced is 525,600 minutes. Oh, is that from Rent? Yeah. It's that's not. That's the most referenced song. I know that from The Office. It's also, they sing Steve it in Steve Carell leaves. They sang it in Glee for when Finn died and... I felt that that was a misjustice to him, to Corey Wanted. Like, that is not a song you would want sung at your funeral. No. It's a really brilliant 
song within the American office. Because it's... When, oh, I've seen it. Yeah, when Steve Carell leaves. And it's it's so lovely because he's leaving and he stands up. He's like, something's happening. And they sing this and they obviously change they the, the lyrics. The lyrics yeah. And they change the time to how long he's been there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that song. So in Team America, we have an actor who has to join Team America to help them police the world. Sure. And he's the best actor of the generation. Yeah. And he's currently starring in something called Lease, the musical. Mm-hmm. Sure. The song that he sings in that moment, I don't know if it's a parody of something from Rent. Yeah. However, it alludes to AIDS and HIV crisis. Yeah. Is that a plot point in Rent? Yes. Very heavily. So this song is called Everyone Has AIDS. Uh, that is not a song that is in Rent, but that is... I will play you the song at some point after and you can tell me if it is something I'm going to hear resemblance to when we watch mm. Rent later on. Now, something I feel that you've mentioned to me before. Yeah. Does Adina Menzel play an LGBTQ character? Yes. Okay, so I know that. So yeah, she does. And I have a lot to say about that. But I want you to watch it unmarred by my opinion. I know we've had a discussion about it before. Which is why I think I remember it. Yeah, but I want you to be the judge of what you think of Harry. Yeah. Not Adina Menzel, but like the character. Yeah, that's something I was aware of, but didn't know if I'd misheard or maybe muddled it up. I feel like I've always got this and fame. Yeah. Kind of muddled. I don't know why. Do you know what the plot of fame is? Theatre kids want to be successful. Yeah, it's set at a New York theatre school. Yeah, but I guess the idea. Yeah, but I guess the idea that rent could be struggling actors. How are they going to pay the rent because yeah. the jobs are kind of not there? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like maybe they were—they've uh, always just kind of muddled with me. Yeah, I don't know any more about it other than what I've discussed. Sure. So, Rent the Musical is based on an opera called La Bohème. Okay. And it came out in 1896, which is exactly a century before Rent's premiere. So Rent premiered in 1996. Mm -hmm. I thought it was older. I thought it was the 80s. Yeah. The opera is about the lives of struggling young artists. Bohemians. Yes. But the illness in La Boheme is uh, tuberculosis. Come what may in Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is how, that's how she dies in Moulin Rouge. Spoilers, if anyone hasn't seen Moulin Rouge. It's set in Paris. It's all the like, Bohemians in Paris. It is essentially the Moulin Rouge Parisian. Yeah. Bohemians. But a lot of the characters from that are basically plucked directly and put in Rent. Which is fine, you're readapting that Mm -hmm. opera style for this. You presumably want to translate them into, I'm assuming, New York. That's why I've always assumed it's set in like New York. Yep, it's New York between 1989 and 1990. So really at that kind of peak of... Yeah, the HIV crisis. Yes. Yeah. So you've got literal, like, names that are taken from the opera to yeah. the film. So you've got Mimi, who in 
La Bohème is a seamstress who has tuberculosis. In Rent is Mimi Marquez, who's a, a dancer. Literally the same character. Yep. And it's they're all pulled across. You've got one character in Rent called Tom Collins, who in the opera is called Colleen. Yeah. And he's a philosopher. Like it's all these they're literally just pulled straight from it. Do you know what's really funny? That during this show I've never realised how many musicals exist solely because they've kind of been Because of other musicals. Or other plays, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had it with Oklahoma that it was a play first. Yep. And we had it now with this. There's a lot I'm learning that I don't know, that feels very weird that things go obviously this is different, there's a century between them, but yeah. I'm sure La Bohème has been performed since then within the century. Yeah. And I guess yeah, you're translating it to a different audience because opera and musicals seem to not be the best of friends. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I just think it's really interesting that you've taken an opera and you moulded it for a different audience. Yes. The other thing with La Boheme is it's a Puccini opera. So there are a lot of references to Puccini's music in yes. Rent. Cool. Specifically Musetta's Waltz, which has a name in French. I'm not going to attempt mm-hmm. to say it. You can Google it. But they reference it over and over again by name. Yeah. Within Which right. I love. If you're going yeah. to create something in reference to something else, you should you should have those love letters to it. Yeah. I love that with The Lion King, I've seen it a few times, and because it's Disney, they can reference different Disney songs. Mm-hmm. So I've seen versions where Zazu starts singing Let It Go, and Scar says, anything but that. Yeah. And it's hilarious, and that's what I want, because it's a Disney licence, you can do it with that. Mm-hmm. So I really like it when shows become a little bit self-aware, they know that their audience is going to know other things, or maybe I'm not. okay if it happens once. Oh yeah, like, I don't want it to be that a whole plot line in Zazu comes on as Elsa, like, that's yeah. just too far. Mm-hmm. But as a throwaway thing once... Yeah, that is really good. Yeah, like, it's really nice to have that kind of knowledge. Like, when we watch The Haunting of the... Stage Fright. Yeah, when we watch Stage Fright, I really hope there's just a real, you know, the Phantom of the Opera reference is... Yeah, it's it's very, very obvious. And there are a lot of other great jokes within that. Yeah, which is what I want from something like that. Like, there's a, they have a show poster in the background of a scene where they've done a musical called... La producers mm-hmm. instead of Blame yeah. Is La producers. Awesome. And it's hilarious. All all the jokes like that. Like I'm here for that. Yeah, that's I love that sort of humour. The other thing about Rent is that it's slightly autobiographical in one character. Okay. Which so Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent, incorporated a lot of elements from his own life into the show because he gave up a life of sort of stability and getting the right kind of job you know like a money-making kind of job for art and he has a lot of the same like journey as some of the characters one in particular but i'm not going to tell you which one so am i kind of on the right lines then of the idea fame is obviously people seeking fame but kids and this is rent older people seeking fame and fortune via art and maybe not having the success yeah Fame is more optimistic. Kids going to theatre school. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it has more of a ride to This it, is I the sequel say. to Fame, where <laughs> those kids are now in the real world and see what life is really like as a, as a performer. Yeah. Cool. In 1988, a playwright called Billy Aronson wanted to create a musical based on Puccini's La Boheme, which would take all of the beauty and amazingness of Paris and set it in New York modern day. Yes. Modern day for the time. The ages. In 1989, Jonathan Larson, who was a 29-year-old-ish, I think, at the time, if my maths is right, might be for once, they started collaborating together and they wrote four songs, two of which aren't in the musical anymore. you got to start but somewhere, Change though. them, mix them up. They're reworked. And basically, Larson said he wanted to set the play Amid poverty, homelessness, gay lifestyle, drag queens, and punk. Cool. Yeah. And set it in the East Village in Manhattan, which is notoriously the uh, campest place in Manhattan, which is what we want. It also happened to be down the road from where he lived at the time. So perfect source material. Yeah, exactly. He came up with the title, which Aronson disagreed with, he didn't want it to be called Rent, and he pointed out that to rent something is to tear it apart. And Larson said, yes, exactly. So it has a double meaning, which is what we like. Have you ever heard of that, to rent something? No. Rent. Never heard of it. No, it is a, it's a sort of archaic word no. nowadays. Um, but, yeah, when, when they found out it was going to go to Broadway... Aronson said he didn't want to be involved in any way anymore, but that he wanted to be given credit and share in the proceeds for the original concept and additional lyrics. So he wasn't the main show creator anymore, so he sort of disappears. So but he we, wants he credit. He gets money for it. Yeah, so essentially, whenever it's performed, share goes to him and he gets full you know, credit for helping conceive the idea. Yes. He's quite happy that he's done his work. Whatever happens with it at this point, mm-hmm. fine, you do what you want with it. Yeah. As long as I get my X amount and as long as I get credited, by all means. That's a nice amicable way to go about it, I think. Yeah. So in the following years, uh, Larson waited tables and wrote Rent. He wrote hundreds of songs, basically, in the style of Hamilton. Hundreds and hundreds of songs that obviously didn't get used because this is a long musical, but it's not that long. Yeah. And eventually whittled it down to 42 songs. Oh, wow. In the original stage version. That's a lot. Yeah. In the same style as Hamilton. Some of them are in between yeah. little songs. This is going to be a nightmare for me to say notes on, isn't it? No, because there aren't 42 songs in the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or if there are, they're not billed cool. in the same style as Hamilton. Yeah, but I, I mean, that's how I write. I, yeah, I know. I'm not singing. Um, in 92, Larson approached James Nicola, who was a director at the New York Theatre Workshop, and he took a tape recording of him singing and the script and handed it to him, and the guy listened to it and did his first stage reading the next year. Oh. Straight away. was like, yep, let's do it. That's awesome. Yeah. And... Despite it being really promising and people really, really liking it, it had a lot of structural problems. 
specifically that it was a really long musical. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of people's problem. There are obviously hundreds and hundreds of songs that were taken out and rewritten, but there are a lot of songs that were either condensed or merged with songs to create the final Broadway version. And a lot of them were rewritten for other characters. So they'd have a song that they really liked and they thought it had a really good message and it was really great, but he'd written it for this character and actually it didn't make sense for them to be having that emotion during this part of the show, yeah. so let's give it to this character instead and tweaks like that were made. Eventually, we got another workshop version in 95 and then on January 24th, 1996, they had the musicals dress rehearsal and then opening the next day. Cool. So 1996, they open off Broadway and then they move within that year to a Broadway theatre. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a little show that could. Mm -hmm. Basically, and this is a complete passion project for him. It's insane. Has he gone on to do anything since? So has Rent started a career for him? Well, he did Rent as his main, like that is his biggest um, project. project. He did a couple of little shows. He's written a musical. He's been a musical performer as well. He wrote a musical, like, children's video thing. You know, like, what Otis watches. Yes. A little music thing that you put on in the background for children called Away We Go. And a lot of his work is like that. He wrote a musical called Sacred Cows that had the same problems as Rent, where it was too long and too cumbersome, and eventually it just got released as a demo. Like a mixtape, like the Hamilton mixtape. Yeah, like a Hamilton mixtape. There are a lot of similarities between this guy and Lin Manuel Miranda in that they struggled hard yeah. before they suddenly made it with one big hit. And since then, like, how do you top that kind yeah. of thing? Which is a, a Lin Manuel Miranda problem that we're going to see in the future, I think, with that he's an incredible writer and performer. How do you top Hamilton? Well, the cultural dynamite. But this is it. Into the Heights was big and... Yeah. Like, that was... How do you top Into the Heights? But had you heard of In the Heights before you heard about Hamilton? No. No. And I'll be honest, I wasn't even aware he'd written Moana until... Hamilton. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So, he's stepping up each time. Yeah. And it is going to be very, very difficult for his post-Hamilton project, but I think if anyone can do it, yeah. it's Lynn manuel Miranda. So, opens Broadway in 1996, and between 1996 and 2016, we have had 10 revivals and tours cool the tours are all named after characters from the show oh that's nice so there's an angel tour a benny tour collins tour and a mark tour and if they do any more they'll name them after the other characters that's really nice i like that that's cool we have had a uk tour and two west end revivals not very long lived though unfortunately the new york bohemian scene does not translate well to an english audience yeah it's reviewed as having come off as pretentious to a UK audience from a standpoint of we don't have that same 
collective artist, like struggling artist scene. Yeah. As is the like East Village. We don't have that. Like the closest thing we have is Soho. Yeah. But it's not the same. You know? Yeah. Which I can see why cynical English audiences look at the struggling New York artist and say, yeah, okay. But I mean, this is the thing. There's been a few shows where you said it's never really found its footing in the UK, which is hmm. you know, surprising as well. I think you said Annie hadn't found its footing in the UK, that Annie's never had like a permanent kind of residence and it goes in and out, in and out, in and mm. out. Sometimes it's surprising. People guess... love Annie, but like it just doesn't get stuck here. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's lost in translation. Yeah. You know, there, I'm sure there are shows that have gone from the UK to America that have flopped. Yeah. Even though they are very successful here. Mm-hmm. It's just a different demographic completely. Yeah. It won several Tony Awards. It was cool. nominated for 10. One five? Four. 50th Tony Awards. It won. Best Book of a Musical. Best Original Score of a Musical. It had Best all-round musical that year which is amazing because it was up against bring in the noise bring in the funk which is did very very well that was kind of a sweepstake i've heard of that you will have done it's parodied a lot like neil patrick harris references a lot of things yeah i think it's referenced in i think i've heard it referenced in friends yeah probably monica says something about i think yeah and also the king no it's it's phoebe who's says that the triplets are playing Bring in the Noise, Bring in the Funk in her uterus. That's really funny. The other thing it was up against is the King and I revival. Okay. Which was doing a really good job. And also a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, which I don't think you'll have heard of. Is that a parody of Roman Holiday? I believe it's a parody of a Greek. Yeah, it's inspired by Platius's farces. The other Tony Award it won, Best Performance by a Featured Actor, Adina Menzel was nominated for Did she Featured lose? Actress. Did she lose to the person from The King and I? She lost to the person from Bringing the Noise, Bringing the Back. Okay. But we had Wilson Jermaine Heredia as Angel won Best Performance by a Featured Actor. I don't know him. No, you won't do. I wouldn't worry. Are there any other performance other than Adina Menzel that I would know from this? Only, I believe, if you looked at pictures of them. Okay. So you have Anthony Rapp. No. No. Adam Pascal. No. Rosario Dawson, you might know. Yes. Yeah. We were talking about her earlier today because mm-hmm. she was in the Marvel Netflix series. She was in every single one of them. She was, yes. She plays Mimi. She's a really good actress. I think she's also in Clerks too. Yeah. I really like her. She doesn't seem to take herself seriously. Yeah. Like, she's willing to kind of muck in. and. Interestingly, the actress that played Angelica in Hamilton yes. has also played Mimi cool. in Rent. Jessie L. Martin? No. No. Wilson Jermaine Heredia, who has won the Tony Award yeah. for Best Sporting, is Angel again in the film. Cool. Uh, Idina Menzel, obviously, Tracy Toms, who you would recognise if I showed you a picture of her. You'll recognise her when we watch it. And Tay Diggs. So, a couple of people who you're going to recognise, a couple of people who you might not. Cool. But yeah, we love them. It's great. So the film came out in 2005. Chris Columbus movie. Chris Columbus? Yeah. Is it Home Alone? Is it Home Alone? 
the film version, and because we have it on DVD, there's an alternate ending. Ooh, it has the alternate ending as well. It has the film ending and then the stage ending as an alternate ending. So it's a little bit like um, mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors, where they maybe change the source material for a better film experience. Yes, that is exactly why. Exactly like Little Shop of Horrors, they wanted to change it because they didn't feel that it would sit well with audiences. Is it a depressing ending? I mean, it's about HIV AIDS crisis. The whole film. Someone's going to die. <laughs> It's not because it's a depressing ending, it's because at the end of a musical theatre performance, you get to see all the actors, yes. and at the end of a film, you don't. And they thought it would be confusing for a film audience to see all of the characters again. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So we've still got all the music in the book by Jonathan Larson. It has been condensed just a little bit. It was made with a budget of $40 million dollars which is pretty good, but as per usual... I don't think it's coming anywhere close to 40 million. Where do you think? 28 million. Mm, you're getting close. 31. Which is is for a musical, a big budget musical, that did very, very well on Broadway. That's decent enough, I would say. Anything that's awful. It's distributed by Sony. I'd say it's disappointing. You think? Yeah. It was made by Columbia. So for them, that's probably very disappointing. Exactly. This is the thing. For for the people who are making the movie, that kind of money is very disappointing. However, for a little musical theatre child that I was, being able to watch a movie version of this musical is everything. How old would you have been when you first watched this musical then? Because you'd have been 10 when the film came out. I watched it at university for my media studies Fair. class, which wasn't called media studies at the time, it was visual history. Yeah. And we watched it to talk about the HIV crisis and why the like bohemian style is still out today. Fair. Which was super interesting. Hopefully you're going to enjoy it. It is kind of long. I'm intrigued. I I feel like this might be one of the toughest ones to watch so far because everything else has always been quite optimistic. I would say this is optimistic. It's quite heavy. Yeah, but I don't think we've had anything heavy. Hamilton gets heavy. Hamilton gets heavy, but it's always fun. Yeah, so this is the thing. Like I said about fame. Fame, you go on a journey, and you have the ups and downs. Yeah. Rent, you're being shown people's lives and feelings, and even though they are fictional characters, those emotions feel real. Yeah. And they do a good job of that. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to sit on down and watch ourselves a little musical that could... Yeah, we're not going out tonight. We are going to stay in, figure out how to pay rent. Yes. Before the landlord gets on the blower. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I cannot wait to see what you think of that. We will be back very, very shortly. Twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes, five hundred twenty-five thousand moments, so dear. Five 
since we last recorded. Yeah, it feels like it's been a whole year since we last recorded. So How do you measure a year, Drew? In teacups. In teacups? Yes. That's a really precise measurement. So what about you? How do you one teacup an hour or is it one teacup per day? Depends on my mood. Okay. Yeah, depends on the day. I um, I keep a tally. There's a secret wall in the flat that you've not realised yet, but I'm just... <laughs> carving scratching into yeah like the how we've been trapped and that's how i measure a year okay <laughs> did you like the movie i think it's a jekyll and hyde Mark. movie yeah yeah there's bits of it that i like there's bits of it that i don't like i'm hoping that by talking to you you might boost my opinion of this musical a wee bit okay i don't think you're going to like my opinions on it. I have a lot of opinions about Ren. Yeah. Specifically about two of the characters. Yeah, and I think the characters are one of my biggest issues within Rent. Yeah. The songs are fantastic for the most part. Mm. If Rent was... Act one. Yeah. I'd be happy. The entire plot of Rent has act one. No, I just mean if we just had act one. I'd be oh, happy. right, okay. Yeah, nothing is ever good after the interval. Yeah, but and I'm fine with that. And I've even written everything's gone up only for it to come crumbling down before we started act two because that's the narrative arc. Yeah. But even the song quality dips massively in act two. Do you think? Yeah, 100%. That's interesting. Okay. I didn't enjoy Act 2. Okay. I can understand that. Would you like to know an interesting fact? Sure. The guy that plays Benny, mm-hmm. Tay Diggs, and Adina Menzel met while they were doing the original Broadway cast. Yeah. And they got married. So they they're married actually together for 10 now. Years. That's awesome. No, they broke up in 2013. Okay. But they were married for 10 years. Super interesting. I didn't know that. Benny's the one that owns the building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised that it starts with Seasons of Love. Mm-hmm. I did not realise that they had parodied a song. I thought they wrote that for The Office. Oh. I didn't know it was a real song before that. Okay. And I did know it was in Rent. Obviously, you mentioned it to me in the fact we start off with that song. Mm-hmm. I would say that is one of the more, I guess, iconic songs from yeah. Rent because it's a song that probably can be used anywhere. Yeah, so there's been 50 remixes of that song. Yeah. That when the 
the stage show was coming out and when the film was being released were released to clubs as like club God. remixes of that song to promote the film. That's awful. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that so weird? It's a, it's an awesome synergy. Like I do think, especially given the characters in this, potentially it appeals more to that kind of age group. Yeah. How, how old, I meant to ask you this when we were watching it, how old do you think Mark and Roger are supposed to be? Okay, I think they're supposed to be early 20s. Right. But okay. they look mid-30s. They do look mid-30s. Which I think they comes all... of casting your original Broadway cast. I know, I'm fine with that. I yeah. was saying to you in the car the other day, I know they are too old to play 19-year-olds. Yeah. But if we ever get a Book of Mormon film, I want it to be Andrew Reynolds and I want it to be Josh Gad. Yeah. We can suspend our disbelief. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it if it means we get them doing those roles. And obviously, that's not to say there haven't been other fantastic Elder Cunninghams and Elder Prices, because mm-hmm. there have been. And perhaps there's better ones that I've not seen that can do the roles instead. But I yeah. think if you're going to, if you're going to do a film, it's always nice to have that kind of throwback. Yeah, I'd settle for them both being cameos, mm-hmm. but I could and would be willing to suspend my disbelief, which makes me feel like a hypocrite because I know the source material. I can imagine if you never heard of Book of Mormon before, and you go in and you watch it, and you're being told to suspend your disbelief that these two are nineteen. Someone who isn't yeah. familiar with the source material is not going to get that, so it's counterproductive. Yeah. And I've got to remember so, that a film would not be made for me as a fan, it's trying to be made for widespread release. Well, this is my problem with the casting, specifically of Mark. I do not like Mark as a character. I don't like any of the characters. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Specifically with Mark, because the actor playing him is now too old, realistically, to be playing a in his early yeah. 20s character... He comes across way worse Mm -hmm. because if he's in his early 20s, that's sort of university age where you want to break out and be your own person and experiment and find out who you really are and what your artistic vision is. And your parents calling you, it's killing your vibe. And like, I get it. Fine. And When you're in your 30s and that's who you are, that's weird. But you also can understand why he's taking the breakup with Maureen so badly because yeah. it might be his first love mm-hmm. but he's 30 yeah you know he's older he's more tragic because it's like they're these failed artists that are hanging on to their youth and not really doing anything mm-hmm. with it I get it completely if they're 20s but it doesn't come across that way in the film I'm not going to criticize the film for that that's not my issue with it I would rather take the Broadway cast and have them form it this way. Yes. By all means, I've got no issue with that. And I can suspend my disbelief that these guys are playing younger roles. That's not my issue with the characters. Mm. Who do you think... Mm. So Jonathan Larson wrote this. Who do you think he is in characters? Probably Roger, because of the musician and trying to write that one great song. See, I would have said that too. However, he says he's Mark, which... In the same way as with the last five years. Yeah, why would you admit why to that? Why would you admit to that? However, his first girlfriend dumped him for a girl, the way that Mark gets dumped by Maureen. Like, he has a load of similarities to that character. Yeah. Which, <laughs> maybe don't admit to, but you know. Fair. The opening is very cool with the spotlights coming on. Yeah. And you've mentioned with Joseph that 
when you have a musical adaptation of a film. That's how you want it to kind of be like they're on stage, mm -hmm. but not. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, this is how you like your musical films. That I thought that was going to be the whole vibe. <laughs> ah, no, it isn't. I wish it was. I wish it was. And I've got a few questions of how scenes in the film are translated, because there's a few scenes that definitely feel like they just don't work. I can't envision them on stage. On stage. Okay. I can envision them uh, on the film, obviously, but it's very weird for me that I can't see how you do some of these films on stage. We then get probably the second biggest song. Yeah. We get the titular song, Rains. Mm -hmm. um, again, like, we're throwing two of our biggest songs straight out there. Did you know this one? I recognised it at first, and I was really struggling with where I know it from. Mm -hmm. Because I was starting to sing along, and I realised that it was the musical theatre club that would oh, meet in my classroom so on Fridays, cute. and I've heard them do it. And they nailed it. Like, hearing this and hearing them, it was perfect. Like, mm -hmm. it sounded the same. I might be wrong, but I think the person who was Knicky was singing it. Oh, he'd be a good Roger. Yeah, I could see, see him. The voices, and I really like their voices in this. Their, their voices yeah. are fantastic, and this song is really good. I feel like the reason I like some of these songs much is because they're rock, Yeah, which is different for a lot of musicals, and this is kind of what I'd listen to anyway. Like, I'm a fan of My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, Green Day, Paramore, Avenged Sevenfold, Tenacious D. This is kind of how I like my yeah, music anyway. Yeah, it's a rock opera. Yeah. So you've got, um, so Benny, Angel, Collins, Maureen, Roger and Mark are from the original cast. Yeah. And then you've got Joanne, who's for the film, but then she has been in it on Broadway cool. as well. Um, Rosario Dawson was not in the original cast. No, she wasn't. But she auditioned. When she auditioned, it was just singing audition. Yeah. And her plan was to go in and dance as well, like at her singing audition mm -hmm. with the song out tonight. Yeah. Because she thought that would show the character more. And she said she was so nervous that she just forgot how to dance. And she just stood there and didn't move and just sang the entire time. And they cast her on the spot. So obviously it wasn't that big a deal. No, she was she was phenomenal. Yeah. I I'm out tonight. I, I, I'll get to that, but I really like that song. And yeah. She she nailed it. Mm -hmm. The visuals of all the fire raining out of the window is really cool. I was thinking I I don't know whether I've thought too hard about that before, but first of all, super dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but also, the you know when they have the bucket with all the papers on fire and they throw it out the window. I love that. Yeah, it's a really cool visual and it shows how big a deal this is. Like there's a real sense of community, mm -hmm. which we never get again, I no. don't think. Maybe at Maureen's. Maybe at Maureen's, but it's kind of you're setting up a world and then doing nothing with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting that we always see New York City represented so beautifully in films. Like even in The Wiz. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Every version of New York City we see is beautiful. Yeah, it's idealised. This is so ugly. Yeah. Which is really nice. I really like that because actually it's perhaps more true. Like, people expect Manhattan. In movies, yeah. And, this is the East Village. Yeah, and then this is actually more what New York is for mm -hmm. anyone. You're not going to be able to move to New York and live it the Manhattan lifestyle. 
you're going to live the East Village lifestyle. Yeah. And I really like that this is set in that world. Yeah. When we say the East Village lifestyle, obviously that's for the time that this yes. is set. Not now. East Village now is quite changed. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure. But it's, I just really thought it was interesting, even in 2004, 2005, when this was released, mm -hmm. to see such an ugly depiction of New York City is yeah. really interesting. It's not romanticised here. It's, it's gritty. Yeah. So we get a song you'll see. Yes. And we find out what happened to Benny. He used to be one of them. He used to be this bohemian with yeah. dreams. But instead he married Rich mm -hmm. and is now going to tear down all of this area to build his cyberspace, which is quite advanced if you think about it from 1989. Yeah. And he's going to build the cyberspace. He's evicting everyone. But he said that Mark and Roger can continue to live there for free if they cancel Maureen's protest. Yeah, if they can get Maureen to cancel it. Yeah. And then we find out that Mark and Maureen used to date, but then Maureen dumped him for Joanne, yeah. his new, her new girlfriend. Yeah. We don't really see Benny again until later on in the end of Act 1. Yeah. Benny becomes a non-character. He is a foil, but that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, comparatively to the Wiz, at least we've met our villain straight away. We know what the stakes are. We know what our main characters are going to have to overcome. Mm -hmm. But that's it. You know, we don't really see Benny again. Yeah. We get no sense of if he's feeling turmoil in this. We get no sense of if he's conflicted about this. Mm -hmm. During Rent, the song, Yeah. we meet... Collins as well they throw the keys down to him and then he disappears yes for a whole song yeah because he's he saved someone from getting mugged he gets mugged but he saved someone first and then ran away from them I thought and then he gets mugged so they catch up to him no there's a, a guy asks him if he's got a light yeah and he goes to give him one yeah and then two guys grab him oh okay and it's like a setup. It's very dark. I couldn't yeah, it's couldn't a dark it. scene. And then they they take his bag, and then because he punches one of them, as he starts to run away, they chase him, and then they take his coat as well. Yeah, because he trips. Because obviously he's not well. Mm -hmm. And then Angel meets Collins. We see Angel drum drum drumming. Yes. Probably appropriate for uh, Christmas season. For rapper pum pum. Yeah. Rapper pum pum. Rapper pum pum. And Angel meets Collins, mm -hmm. and they both get up, and they're going to their counselling session, a group therapy session. Yeah. And they both just remark to each other, under the breath, I missed it. Mm -hmm. I'm going here because I've got AIDS. Me too. Yeah. That's such a big line, an important line, and the fact it was... Yeah. The volume was turned down for it, and you missed that. That's so important. And, and we miss it. Roger starts to sing Glory. One song, Glory, yeah. This is his, his I Want song. Yes. Oh, how wrong we were to think that immortality meant never dying. Sure. Well, it is. The idea that you'll live forever in your legacy as opposed mm -hmm. to physically living forever. He wants to be immortal through his art. Yeah. Before he goes, he wants that one song that means he will live forever. Yeah, because he doesn't really care about anything else he won't let himself love anyone because the last person anyone. he loved did died you, 
Right. Did and you understand what happened to her? Yeah, she was a drug addict. They were sharing needles. She got HIV. Yeah. Presumably gave it to him because they were sharing it, and she died. So she didn't die. Did she not? She left him. No, she kills herself. Okay. Well, she dies then. I don't know if it's clear in the film no. because in the stage musical, Mark is the narrator. And he basically says, pan in on Roger, who got HIV from his drug-using girlfriend. She wrote him a letter that said, we have HIV, and then hung herself. And it, it's horrible. <laughs> and I know that's the point, but like... That sounds so much better, though, than the film. Yeah. It's very... The, the stage musical, I think, is very spoon-fed in the narration, but sometimes with this film, you need that yeah. to understand. Yeah, because we get the montage over the song that shows his story and make me wonder, how do they stage that? It's it's literally that, and yeah. then he sings one song, Glory. Yeah, so he sings about Glory, and then we get Light My Candle, and we get some flirty banter. I love Light My Candle. That song gets stuck in my head all the time. The interplay between them is really nice, and the style of the song is very good. It's very different mm. from Rent, but I like the your side, my side, your side, my side, the conversational but sung. Yeah. We find out that Mimi is a drug addict and that she fancies Roger. Yeah, but That's Roger's... Essentially that, that song, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Roger's not willing to kind of Have indulge. that life again. No. Yeah. Which, fair enough. It's at this point that I start to wonder, am I supposed to like any of these characters? I would say no. I don't I, think you are supposed to like. Any I don't of these feel anything for these characters. I there are two characters that I care about in this. Angel. No. Collins and Joanne. I I love Angel as well. I think she's so fun, but she killed a dog. So. Oh, well, that's what I thought. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I I don't. At this point, I don't like any of these characters. Roger comes across. Martyr. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he just obviously is is on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've never been in that position where I'm told I'm dying, so I don't know how I'd react to it. But you would think he should be going out trying to make the most of it. He's just waiting around. He's just waiting around, and he's he's being a martyr. Yep. And obviously that's his way of dealing with it. I'm not criticising him for that. Mm-hmm. Like, But as a result, he doesn't come across very likeable because he doesn't interact with people. Yeah. Mark. Mark has no problems. This is my biggest issue with him. He's a rebel without a cause. What what is wrong with this boy? He clearly comes from a good family because his parents are offering to pay Mm. for stuff for him. They ring him to see how he is. Roger's parents don't talk to him. And it's said in the musical that the rest of them, other than Maureen and Joanne, aren't in contact with Mm. their parents because their parents have disowned them. Mark's parents are ringing to be like, did you get the sweater we sent you? Are you okay? The thing is, Mark tries to act like he's the same as all of them. He isn't. He's got no idea about life. He lives this idealised life. He is Christian in Moulin Rouge, who has lived up this bohemian lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but has no idea what it actually means. No, because he has no problems. Yeah, he has no problems. Collins comes across nice but i just don't get enough depth to him to care yeah he's made a bigger deal of him yeah angel again is nice enough but she kills a dog 
and it's meant as a joke and for me that's just kind of like it's a weird joke okay. and then it turns out to be Benny's dog which yeah like it serves a purpose it's not a throwaway gag for no reason like it's a yeah. misreference later it's a weird one yeah it's a weird one today for you yes so we're introduced to the real angel who is described as a drag queen some of the characters use she her pronouns yes. some of them use he him pronouns yeah. I tend to use she I tend to, I would use she because at her funeral later on. Colin says she. And Mark makes a big deal, which I hate Mark for this even more. Like it just feels like a really unnecessary thing was he, she. Yeah. You'd think on the funeral you'd get, use the right pronoun. Yeah. It just. If he's having to correct himself to she, I would assume that she is the correct pronoun. And this is the thing, like I can completely understand if you've known someone for a while and you might have used pronouns once and then... No, know. I don't agree with you. I, I, my point is... People make mistakes, but... That's what I'm that's saying. That's not the time to no. do it. People make mistakes. At their funeral, you don't make that mistake. Yeah. And it just feels like a really gross thing to say. It's because he doesn't understand any of this stuff. And yes. He has no experiences that he could even compare. But this is their meeting angel. Yeah. For the first time. Mm -hmm. He should only ever know Angel as she. Yeah. That's what makes it really disgusting for me when he does that. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like he's met Angel when Angel was male before transitioning. He's yeah. only ever known Angel using female pronouns. Mm -hmm. It just so makes it more They don't explicitly say in the musical that they Angel don't. is trans, but the way that she's presented. Yeah. Personally, I believe that she's trans. They say that she's a drag queen. And maybe this is 1989. And that's know, the closest thing. And they're trying to go for the historical accuracy of how you would have been represented at the time. Yeah. They could have said way worse things. And in, yeah. And in the same way that when the, the show was written was 99, did you tell me? Mm-hmm. The LGBTQ community has come a long way yeah. in a very short time. And the trans issue has become... a spoken about a lot more mm -hmm. in an even shorter time so i've got no doubt that when this is written perhaps they were portraying it accurately for the time yeah i can't remember you know in 99 i was nine so, so i don't remember that conversation i don't remember how it would have been when the film was released i was 15 again not really aware of it yeah so i'm sure this is done with the best intent to mm -hmm. be reflective of the time and probably is very progressive for the time. Yeah. But watching it in 2020, maybe not so much. Mm -hmm. But I really like when she drums. The little drum beats and how she taps her heels and drums. Yeah. And that's really cool. The, the choreography of that mm -hmm. is really nice. We learned that Angel has made $1,000 in one day just through drumming on the streets because she's a street performer. And it turns out that a woman in a limousine pulled up, heard her drumming, and hired her $1,000 to play the drums outside of her apartment building until the yak dog that belongs to her neighbour jumps off the balcony because she thinks it's a really high-strung dog and you drumming repeatedly would kill it. Which, sure enough, it does. Turns out it does. And she makes $1,000, which is... I mean, when you have no money, sure, obviously, yeah. you'll do anything. But, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's 
a weird joke to put in at the best of times. Yeah. I doubt yeah. And obviously that turns out to be It turns out to be Benny's Akita. Because he explains that his wife isn't at Maureen's protest because there was a sudden bereavement in the family yeah. and then Akita died and they all look at each other like Akita. Mark is on Elsa's leash. Yeah. He can't let her go. Mm-hmm. And they actually say that, don't they? She says let it go yeah. at some point, which made me laugh. And is summoned to help set up the protest. Yes, there's something wrong with the audio and they can't get it to work. And Mark's very good at using the audio equipment. So she rings and says, please, can you please come and help me? So off he goes. And Collins points out that Whoosh. he's completely whipped. And then we meet Joanne. I love Joanne. Joanne is very apologetic, but also I think a little frustrated that Mark is there. I told her not to ring you. Yeah. I can sort this as a man on the way. So mm. Mark goes to sleep and Joanne points out three hours late. So he helps. Yeah. The Tango Maureen is a fun song. Yeah. Especially as Joanne slowly realises that Maureen isn't everything she's built up. Yeah. She's a very flawed individual. Mm-hmm. And starts listening to Mark. Maybe not everything of Mark's experience has happened to her yet, but it does because he, you know, she eventually calls Joanne Poogie. Poogie. The shot for the tango where you, you've got like a far shot and then in the middle of the, the screen, mm-hmm. tangoing and the panning across is beautiful. It's good, isn't it? And then Maureen shows up in this sort of tango dream. Oh, she, or in Idina Menzel is so hot in, in this <laughs> section. Like, wow. She's pretty hot in this whole film. At her hottest here. In the red dress? Yeah. Sure. I Can I just say as well, I really like the costume for Joanne. Oh, yeah? Her in this powerful suit. Mm-hmm. And I was sure, really yeah. disappointed when they started doing the tango that she went into this dress. And yeah. Keep her and Mark both in the, in the suits. However, for the time, the way that Joanne is presented in the real world... Yeah. She does dress quite masculine. She wears suits. She's a lawyer, but she's wearing the tailored sort of Ellen DeGeneres style yeah. suits and slacks. So to have her wear dress in the tango scene is actually kind of progressive for the okay. time Fair. because she's presented as like a soft butch lesbian, okay. which obviously we shouldn't label things like that, but that's what yeah. they were going for with her. And then to have her appear in the dress, I think, is a good thing. Yeah, that's fine. I really like the bit in the tango where Mark's leading and then Joanne's leading. Yeah. And Mark is like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> you should. It's hard to do this backwards. Yeah, you should try it in heels. Yeah, and I really like that representation of Joanne. Yeah. I love the beginning of this song where Joanne says, no, it's, she's different with me. She's not. She's not. And Maureen clearly hasn't been honest about her relationship history with Joanne. Yeah. Because you get the sense with Maureen that she's dated a lot of people, both men and women, and Mark was just, like, the most recent in a long run yeah. of people. And that Which Joanne is weird sort of, when you think she's going to be potentially at 21, 22. Yeah. Because, you know... Well, she says later on, ever since puberty, everyone stared at me. Yeah. I can't help it. So, sure... <laughs> But yeah, I love that song. That's a great yeah, song. that's a great song. Mark fixes the audio and off he goes because he's now late for the support session. Life support, yeah. Right. 
He should I, not be here. He should not be here, and he certainly shouldn't pick up his camera and start recording before asking for permission. Mm. Those poor people yeah. sat there looking terrified when he gets the camera. Their reactions make him seem like a monster. Like, oh, by the way, do you mind if I film this? Mm-hmm. No. Go away. He hasn't got an idea. He this really doesn't have an idea. Him. He thinks he's changing and saving the world by by showing the AIDS crisis. He's just exploiting people. Yeah, and we have a fantastic moment where he's told that yeah. in the film by a homeless woman yeah. who's being harassed by a police officer yeah. and being told she needs to move. Yeah, I love that moment. That moment's just causing that as perfect. Mm. I, I'm, I, I'm just continuing to hate him more and more. Yeah. He's it's so in his head about being the next great director, the, the, the next great voice for social change that he's actually missing the harm he's doing. Yeah. He doesn't have a concept of it. In the life support meeting, the the four characters that are there other than Collins and Angel yeah. are called Ali, Gordon, Pam and Sue. They are based on Jonathan Larson's real friends who died of AIDS. And Ali is Alison Gertz, who is a an AIDS activist, or was an AIDS activist, sorry. Um, she's the subject of Fate of Love, the movie, which is Millie Ringwald plays her. So she's also in this, which is cool. interesting. I thought it was very weird to see a non-character be prominent in a musical song. Yeah. Like, I don't mean that offensively. No, Obviously, it's like it's great these characters have been inspired by real people. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that there wasn't more of a deal made of them. Yeah. But within a musical... Well, he's not there later on. No, I know. He's, but it's weird at this point in time, this character, we've not, I've not learned his name. I don't know who he is. No, they never say their names. It's so rare in musicals that it's someone who is not a character singing. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just quite jarring. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, when we see the life support group again later on that's sad there that's really powerful that's yeah. a really really thought provoking powerful moment in this mm-hmm. out tonight just amazing wow mm-hmm. I didn't know Rosario Dawson could sing do you know this is just a phenomenal mm-hmm. really great like introduction to this character like the peak of her life yeah because she's going down from, from the end and of this song this scene is so filmic. I don't know how it translates to stage. Simply because you start off in the club mm-hmm. with the dancing. You then progress to her getting changed. And you then progress to her leaving. Then you progress to her climbing the fire escape into Roger's apartment. Yeah, That's like four different locations. So I don't know how well it translates. So the staging of... I've seen pictures of the original Broadway one and then the remake where basically stage right is the apartment. Yeah. Then above that, you've got all the scaffolding, I guess it is, that's supposed to be all their balconies Mm -hmm. or fire escapes. And then on the left is where the cafe comes in and goes away and becomes like, that's the space that becomes other things over and over again. And then above that, you've got a sort of Hamilton-esque balcony that goes around with a set of stairs that come down and send back centre stage. She appears top left to start singing out tonight. Then she goes around that balcony, comes down the stairs, 
climbs up some of the scaffolding and then down into their apartment. Okay. So it's not quite the same, but she's she dances her way from yeah. you get the sense the club all the way back to their apartment. This is a phenomenal song. She is very sexy. Mm-hmm. Like the dancing is 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 fantastic. Yeah. And I'd say it's quite tastefully done. Yeah. Like considering some of the moves she's doing, the camera deliberately moves away from them. So when she's doing like the V with her legs, mm-hmm. the camera is not in front of her, it's to the side. So the camera's tried to at least be tasteful with it. Yeah. And you get a real idea of what her life is like, that she loves it, she's having the time of her life. You don't feel like she's exploited. This is her way of expressing her artistic side, mm-hmm. which is cool. Considering she's a drug addict, the whole dancer thing could have been presented as a lot grittier, grimy and gross. Yeah, it could have been. And this it does is more, get a bit later. It does later, but right now this is almost empowering for her. This is her way of expressing her artistic side, and I think that's important. Yeah. She's not doing this to fund her drug addict. She's doing this because that's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. We get another day. Roger's not interested in Mimi, and he tries to send her packing, but we get the sense he is interested, but... It's just such a tragic thing that he can't go yeah, through that again. Yeah, because we even get we get his little refrain in it where he sings, I should tell you, I yeah. should tell you. She doesn't know he's got AIDS. No, but he also doesn't know that she has. So Yeah, exactly. So at this point... Which, like, this entire movie could be solved if we all just sat down and had a frank conversation. Exactly. Instead of singing snide remarks. Yeah, he's really rude to her. And then his friends arrive to console her and try and convince him. They're all singing down at the balcony. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen a really interesting, I believe it was Lindsay Ellis on YouTube, who, if you have not checked out her YouTube channel, you absolutely should. She's amazing. She did a whole uh, video essay about Rent, specifically talking about this moment, because by staging it the way that it is, you should visually be led to believe that Roger is in the right. Roger is up on the balcony. He is closest to God. He is saying, no, I don't want this. I don't want to live your drug lifestyle or, like, give anybody else my HIV. I don't want to cause problems for other people. I just want to do what I do. And But he's in darkness up there. And then you have Angel, Mimi, uh, Collins and Mark on the floor singing No Day But Today, saying, no, come on. Do whatever you want, like, come and join us, live the way that we yeah, do. Yeah, it's just irresponsible by in life. Yeah, so why are they being presented like they're right? Because yeah. Roger's right. They're enabling their yeah. friend to make bad, toxic decisions. It's really weird. And actually, if they don't do this now, potentially, Mimi doesn't die or come close to death. Yeah. <laughs> they're not likeable characters. No. This is one of the points where I start to realise what is an issue with this musical is that it goes very quickly from one song to another. I would like more Tolkien to establish the action. Mm. It, it doesn't help that there are a lot of little in between cut songs. Yeah. This would be like if we watched Hamilton yeah. as a movie yeah. and they cut all the little bits. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm fine with singing throughout. Lamers and Hamilton do it really well in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They, they sing, but they're giving you enough exposition to understand the world and everything yeah this just goes from one song to the next song with no this is the thing in the stage show they don't just sing yeah there is talking mark is a narrator and he talks like a normal person and it's just which is probably something that's been lost in the translation of stage to film definitely but as a result 
I'm just like, so what's actually going on? I'm not getting character depth. I'm not getting any kind of sense of the world we're in. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I understand that. I and I at this point my attention starts to drift. I don't care. Yeah. Will I really powerful song that I think captures the fear of fighting HIV or mm-hmm. fighting any illness. Yeah. Knowing that you're going to die. Yeah. I think it's a really powerful song. And Mark then gets called out following this song by the homeless woman. Yes. He says, I don't want to be a part of your big break. You're not going to use me to make yourself famous. And then she makes a big point of it by saying, hey, artist, have you got a dollar? And he doesn't say anything. She's like, that's what I thought. Yeah. Fair enough. (laughs) Tell him to get lost. I don't know why the rest of them are friends with him. So Mark has the opportunity later on in, in the film to get a big job that gives some money and he's like no I'm not going to sell out he gets a $3,000 advance which for the time quite a lot of money but this is it he's going to sell out eventually and he's going to forget what he's fighting for he's going to become part of corporate America this is the thing if he got offered like a big Hollywood budget like here's your big break go do whatever you want he'd take it and he would never talk to any of his friends ever again he'd forget all about this social activist side yeah we get Santa Fe. Yes, another Santa Fe. Newsies callback. I, I had more fun with the Newsies. Yeah, I thought you might have. But this is diegetic because the other passengers hear the song in the subway and they start getting involved and like they get involved with the dance. It's yeah. quite nice. It's a nice song, a really nice sentiment. Mm-hmm. Same idea as Newsies where Santa Fe is better, has more hope for us, we'll yeah. make it out of New York someday. And hey, if you want to leave, then leave. It's really interesting. Most musicals outside of New York, they aspire to go to New York. Mm-hmm. But when they're in New York, most musicals say, nah, go to Santa Fe. Well, Angel even says, like, hey, just think about it. After New York, anywhere else would be a dream. Yeah. And you're right. It is kind of the first, like, obviously they talk about it in Newsies. You have Jack in Newsies saying, I want to get out of here. I've got to go somewhere that's clean and I can <laughs> breathe properly. Somewhere that's clean. <laughs> Also Alan Menken. And then you have Angel saying it as well, where they're like, oh, well, you know, you might as well go, because it's probably nicer there anyway. Okay, so we get one of the sweetest songs, I'll Cover You. Yeah, I like this one. I mean, they're moving fast. They they have been together. They've known each other about 30 to 40 hours at this point. Mm-hmm. They are moving very, very fast. How long did you know me? Well, before we moved in together. Well, before we moved in together, before you were like, oh, yeah, okay. 100% keeping this one. Two weeks? Not even. You're such a liar. The minute you met me, obviously. But they are moving very fast. And Okay, I understand. It's their first kiss after three days. I don't think I, that's fast. But they're also moving in together before they kiss. No. That's not the point of what they're saying. Okay. So even though, obviously, you're talking about the lyrics. Yeah. The lyric is, live in my house, I'll be your shelter. Just bring me back to your thousand kisses. Yeah. That's not what they're saying. They're just saying... Like, okay. stay with me, be with Fine. me. It's a metaphor. I mean, this is the thing. Obviously, they both know their days are numbered. They are doing the opposite of what Roger's doing. They are going out there, seizing the day. They're going to make every moment last mm. for them because they don't know when their last moment will be. Yes. They are moving faster than Roger does. Kind of the idea would be somewhere in the middle between them and Roger. Yeah. But that's what they exist to do is show two different parallels of dealing with devastating news. Mm-hmm. 
Roger finally asks Mimi out. Took him long enough. I mean, it took him a day, so not really. She was, she'd asked him out a couple of times already. Well, she asked him to come down for Christmas brunch, and he's like, nope. He didn't even say no to her, he just ignored her. But, you know, end of Christmas Day, he's going to be asking her out. Or yes. Boxing Day. So we are going to Maureen's protest. Yeah. The police are already there, primed. Benny said they were there, he didn't want to use them. Yep. Nothing's been done with that plot line at this point. There's no sense of will they, won't they. With what? With Roger and Mark thinking about Benny's offer. Oh, no, they turned it down straight away. But then, obviously, he said something. He sent them a voice message saying, I hope you're considering it. I've given you electricity back as a goodwill gesture. Think about it. Mm. Nothing more's come of it. No, but they're not even going to think about it. Because they think that Benny leaving and marrying Rich is, like, against them. Yeah. Whereas, actually, he's now in a position to help them out, which is what he wants to do. Yeah. They're too headstrong. Mm-hmm. on their ways to even think that what he's doing is actually better for this area. Yeah. So Maureen is very charismatic. Her protest is very well executed and she oozes charisma. Yeah. You can see why people are listening, why people are following her, why people are cheering her and mooing for her. Ugh. It's so weird though, right? It's very weird. It's again this kind of weird... 20-year-old, pretentious youngster trying to change the world, mm. not realising actually there's better ways of changing the world. Yeah. You look at the world we live in today and you look at all the protests around the world through June. Mm. They were planned, executed so well. Yeah. Because people weren't doing it as a means to show off and make a name for themselves. Yeah. They were doing it because what they were protesting was something they strongly believed in and mm-hmm. it was the right thing to do. With Maureen, it feels more like, let's get my name out there. Yeah, it literally is. Yeah. And also very quickly devolves into a riot. Yeah, it, it gets very violent. Mate. It does. Very violent, very quickly. Mark, obviously, being the stand-up gent he is, decides to film all of it and then sell that footage. Yeah, because they all go to the Life Cafe and he shows up late and is like, oh yeah, the network bought my... Late by literally like 10 seconds because they just get in and he's, where's Mark? Oh, he's there 10 seconds behind us. Yeah. Yeah, stand up, stand up guy. Like, here you are, these people that apparently matter to you getting attacked and you're just going to film it and sell that footage and and make more money off of it. The woman's warning hasn't done anything for him. Well, and so he tells Maureen that, hey, you're going to be on TV. It's going to be all over the 11 o'clock news because they bought my footage. You're mm. going to be famous. She gives him a big old kiss. And Joanna is very yeah. upset. Not Joanna, Joanne. Yeah. Joanna. Joanne. Joanna. is very upset. Yeah. So they're all sat around at this cafe. They always go there, but they never pay. But today they are because Angel has money. Mm-hmm. But don't put the chairs together. Of course they put the chairs together. Yeah, realize... Just don't move the tables. Hey guys, let's move these tables together. Benny's there with, I assume, his father-in-law. As his father-in-law and an investor. Yeah. And Benny sings to them and they all respond with uh, La Vie Bohemi. La Vie Bohemi. Mark feels like he should be in Smash Mouth. 
Like, hey now, you're an old star. Why? Because he's got that kind of energy. If you ever watch them perform, I Mark know. is performing and he's singing the same okay. tone that they do. I love this song. This song. Oh, it's a fun so song. Fun. It's it's a it's a fun song. It's got good energy and you know it's we are the children of the revolution. It is, yeah. It's fun. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I just love <laughs> I love um, Maureen and Joanna kissing, and the guy. It's Benny's father-in-law clears his throat. Sisters. We're sisters. We're close. And then we're brothers. <laughs> brothers. Yeah. Sister, brother, we love each other. <laughs> it is just, because they are just, they're doing it to cause offence in these guys in the hopes that they will leave. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. It works. So we learn that Mimi has HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for Roger to think, yes, okay, we can do this. Yeah, basically. Fun. Yeah. I get it. She's already ill. He doesn't now need to worry about making her ill. Yeah. I get it. They have something in common at last. Yeah. They have something that they can help support each other with. Mm-hmm. And obviously Roger has seen how Angel and Collins has been a really positive thing. So this might be something for him. Yeah. So we get I Should Tell. It's a slow song. Just kiss already. Yeah. I didn't need this song. Do you know what's really weird with this song is you have the Vibo M A, then the this song, MB. and then the Vibo M B, which is just do the one. Yeah. Do you know what? Just pause that song, let them say, confess their feelings, kiss, go back. Like, mm-hmm. we don't need this song in the middle. It's just slow. Yeah. Do you know the most annoying thing about it is? I had the Vibo M A on my playlist for a really long time. Yeah. And it ends, I should tell you, I should tell you. I don't want this slow bit. I want all the fun stuff. Because it is really fun. All the energy and all the things they're saying, like, this is why our lifestyle's great. They're having a great time. And it's it's a really fun song. And it sets everything up to fall. Yeah. We stopped for our ice cream. Yes. Nice vegan Cornetto. Normally we don't stop when we're watching these films, but when there's an interval or a clear interval, we always stop for an ice cream. Now, I could have ended the film here and I'd have loved Rent. Yeah. Honestly, the sad thing is Angel has to die. I could have ended the film here knowing full well that the characters are going to die, they're not going to have long lives, mm-hmm. but they're at least happy in this moment. Yeah. The quality of the songs, I know, but <laughs> I'm not saying that, I just mean... The narrative goes to hell. Yeah. The characters, I don't care because I've not had enough depth. They end here, I'm happy for them. Yeah. But we're going to flash from New Year's to October. Yeah, that's a long time. That's a stupidly long time. And that's, I'm not cool with that. Mm-hmm. The film ends here, the show ends here. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the second half, the Hyde half. <laughs> so, Seasons of Love. I really like the way this is filmed, the little moments of film. Yep. And I really like that when we see Mark's perspective filming the cameras, the little grainy Moulin Rouge style. Like, it's just it's, mm-hmm. it's nice. And the lyrics are different in this one. Yeah. So instead of saying, how do you measure a year, it's we're going to measure a year, and how do you measure it? You measure in love. They're saying it. That is yeah. the answer. It's not how do you do it anymore. It's we know. You yeah. measure it in how much you love someone. So Mark is gross. He continues leering off after his ex, and he is this original hipster. I'm not going to sell out. Mm. 
But very quickly, he's going to sell out. Imagine being Joanne and being his lawyer. Yeah. How stressed would you See, be? See, this is the thing. They suddenly now, after the Vivo M, are this big, close-knit gang. Yeah. All of them. Well, you including Maureen and Joanne. You can understand why Joanne and Mark might get on. Because they have Maureen in common. She's cheated on both of them at this point, And she's still with Joanne. And then it links them all to the others. But, yeah. But this is it. They're actively hanging out with each other and it makes no sense. There's not enough here to tie them all together. Yeah. There really isn't. Okay. They go back to their apartment after the New Year's celebrations. Mm-hmm. And Which was a castle party. Was it really? Yeah. They cool. made them all go in costume and just filmed the castle party. That's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Angel is very resourceful. She picks up the bin yeah. and smashes the lock down. <laughs> is there on our TV? And they all get in. Benny has taken all their furniture. Yep, everything. But then our squatters and Joanne serves her purpose. The only reason why Joanne is part of this group is exposition. Yeah. It's just to say, well, you've got the rights to live here, but you're going to need some money to back up in the meantime. Better take That's, that job. Yeah, so they go and we get a nice Sarah Silverman cameo. Oh, uh, yeah. If you, I always forget that she's in this because it's so. You know she's in School of Rock as well. Yeah, I know. I forget she's in School of Rock. She's the voice of Penelope. In, she in, is, yeah. In, yeah. But she's one of those performers I think is awesome. Joanne is jealous because all through the meeting with Sarah Silverman, Maureen, she tells Maureen to wait outside. Because it's not about her. You're not the one that's being famous here. Yeah, good for you. You were in this video, yeah. but they actually want to hire. Mark. Yeah, they're not hiring you. They don't want you to be the subject of this. And she's good at kind of being a voice of reason. Yeah. And outside, we see Maureen is instantly flirting with the receptionist. Yeah. Whether or not the receptionist is flirting back or just being nice, Joanne, it actually doesn't matter. No. Because Maureen is flirting with exactly. her. Jealousy Which... should not prompt an engagement. It won't last. You literally wrote that two, wrote two seconds before. And then we have the cast. Yeah, so, so my notes go as follow. I wrote three bullet points. Jealousy should not prompt an engagement. It won't last. The casting of Adina Menzel's mother is perfect. She looks like Adina Menzel. Knew it wouldn't last. Yeah. Take Me or Leave Me is a very famous song. And it's good. It's perhaps the only song in Act 2 I like. Yeah. And it's a really good song. I think this is the most musical theatre song mm, in this show. 100%. 100%. And the pair of them, you know, lovely dynamic. It's amazing, isn't it? I really like this song. I like it when Joanne starts to be all Maureen and takes her coat off and walks like Maureen. Yeah, she's making fun of her. But this is... Uh, is this their announcement of their engagement or is this essentially we are now married? So it's, it's an engagement party being thrown by Joanne's parents... Because Joanne went to private school, she's rich. They have thrown this party for her. They are clearly very accepting of her sexuality. They are really happy for her. And again, one of those really awesome things, if you think this is set in 1989. So her parents are from like the 60s. Yeah. It's really awesome because they're on board with it. They don't care. They're just happy their daughter's happy. Yeah. And they're welcoming more into the family. They're welcoming more into yeah. parents to the family. And you mentioned something really good about Maureen's dad. Mm, the actor. The actor looks uncomfortable but kind of going along with it. 
Yeah, anytime he makes eye contact, I don't think he has any speaking lines. No, he He's amazing though. He literally, anytime he makes eye contact with either Joanne or Maureen, he smiles and he's like, oh, I'm so happy for you. But as soon as they're not looking at him, he looks so yeah. uncomfortable, which is fine. And at least he's being outwardly Yes, supported. exactly. Same with Maureen's mum, who instantly, the second it looks like broken right. up, turns and says, oh, maybe you can get back together now because this is just a phase, apparently. My favourite thing, though, is he goes to say something and Angel's like, we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> not having any of that. This song is really good. They call it quits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Roger and Mimi call it quits, too, because she was with Benny. She convinced Benny to give them all their furniture back because they used to date, so they're friends. So Roger's like, I will not have anything to do with you if you're willing to speak for the enemy. Here's my question, though. How do you think Benny's supposed to be? Same age as Roger and Mark, right? Yeah. Mimi says at the beginning she's 19 mm-hmm. and that their relationship happened two years ago. So she was 17 when she was in a relationship with Benny, who would have been 20. That's not so bad. It's... It's still it's weird. Not, it's not... It could be worse. It could be worse, but it's that not is good. not the line. But it's literally such a throwaway thing. Like, okay... He gets so upset with her about it, too. Tell Yeah, tell me more about this. It's not like... It's not like they're together now. Just tell me more. It's a throwaway line just designed to split them up. Mm-hmm. So, without you, the montage that basically takes us through the next ten months. Yeah. One song, a three-minute song. And we, we, we go for the 10 months. It's basically just the decline of Angel as well. Yeah. Which we is see, awful. Well, we see Mimi and Angel's decline Yeah. through this song. But Angel is such a big personality. We shouldn't see her die like this. Yeah. It should be... There should be something more to it. Yeah. Like, either you make a big deal out of it, and it's a big moment, or you do the King Lear thing, and they die quietly... Mm-hmm. But it's still like a poignant moment. Yeah. Neither of those things happen. Yeah. She just dies and it's And we not... get this montage effect through this song. There's the thing I mentioned earlier with the support group. The camera pans around the circle and people then they fade out. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful. Yeah. And that's so thought provoking and powerful. You know why they're not there. It's not because they've decided to stop coming. And that's really, really powerful. And Angel's decline and Mimi's decline. You've got the parallels that Mimi's making it worse for herself. Yep. And Angel's trying to fight, but just can't. Yeah. But we have jumped all the way to Halloween. Yeah. Angel's favourite time of year. Yeah. This is the thing. We've seen these characters know each other for six days. Some of them, like Collins, like Mark, like Roger, have a history, mm-hmm. which has never really been kind of added to. We just know there's a history. In the same way we know that Mark and Maureen have a history. Mm-hmm. but they, you don't get a sense like why do we care so much yeah I know I get what you mean like I feel like with the stage show and I know I say this a lot when we watch movies because that's the, what we have access to the stage show you care a lot more about the characters because it's longer and you're developed but this more. is a potential yeah you, you've got the development because you're watching it unfold in front of you perhaps it means more mm-hmm. So, we'll get the reprise of I'll Cover You, which is beautifully tragic. Oh, and the guy that plays Collins is an incredible singer. That's the point where I literally was just sat here crying. Just for him. It was sad. Yeah. You felt the pain in him. 
because he's been he's the one character that has been solidly happy this whole time and like even though he's very ill he has he just sort of accepts life and has been going with it he's having a good time with his friends he found love he's been happy and then obviously it's all taken away from yeah I don't understand why Benny's there with Mimi though. Benny, Mimi is there because she knew Amy. No, I know that. Benny is there to, for Mimi because he's her sponsor. Okay. Well, yeah. Fine. Thanks for telling me that film. Yeah. I didn't know that. Made no sense. Why is She's Benny coming to... here? Because you'd have honestly thought that everyone else would have turned to Benny and said, you don't deserve to be here. Yeah. You've made it worse. But they're sat on different sides. Yeah. But still, there's no way in a real world you would have let him step in. I know, but he's there for Mimi as her sponsor because she's trying to stop taking drugs because at this point her and Roger are, are done. Well, they've presumably been done for 10 months. Yeah, it's during that 10 months that they're done. But well, they were done before. They called it quits back in January, so they've been apart for 10 months. Oh, when when they have that argument about Benny, they don't break up. Okay, but it doesn't make sense. No, I know. It's That's not clear. Prob- yeah, this is the problem with the film. Yeah. let's, let's It's yeah. bad narrative life. Mm-hmm. We get good by love, and the gang are all broken. Yeah, a bit more screaming at each other. Yeah, but just, and poor Collins saying, "You promised you would all be cool today. Don't do this to yeah, me right which, now." Fair, that's the right thing. He needs this here, but the problem is, I just don't feel a family dynamic. We saw them for four days, then jump for ten months. Yeah, I don't get the sense that they should all be here at this point. Mm. They're trying to support Collins, or they're there for Angel. Well, you're supposed to understand that Angel was the thing that brought them all together because Angel knows each of them individually, but it isn't long enough that they could show that Angel knows all of them no. individually. No, and I've got no sense of that. And it just, you know, it's yeah. a sad thing. It's it's very sad, and obviously Collins just needed his friends to be there and just be nice and get on. Yeah, I can completely understand that. Seasons of Love yeah. is about Angel. Yeah, and when you know how they all relate to her. It makes more sense yeah. because having Joanne sing a solo in it doesn't make any sense in the movie because no. they don't meet. No. Basically. We go to What You Own, yeah. essentially capitalism over art. Mm-hmm. And this musical goes too quickly through the action for me to care. Roger is in Santa Fe for literally two minutes. Yeah, not even. Why? Why even bother sending him there if we're not going to do more of it? Mm. It just... It, doesn't it almost would have worked better to have him just see him driving and then have him turn the car around and come back yeah or to have him move out and be like i don't i'm not gonna tell anything i'm going he stays in new york i'm just moving out and not being part of this circle anymore yeah something we don't need to see him in a different place although i do really like the line about i see mimi everywhere and then i feel yeah everywhere yeah like that was nice yeah although this, so I do like this song, but from Roger's perspective, Mark has no right to be singing about Angel. No. At all. Because he's just exploiting him again. With his yeah, again. Sets <laughs> me so much. Mimi goes missing. Yes, she's been living on the streets. She dropped out of therapy. She stopped seeing her sponsor. Yeah, and she has been taking drugs again. And everyone looks, and Roger even goes as far as speaking to the drug dealer, and he's got no idea. Yeah. At least that's what I took from that. 
we get the line. Well, she doesn't have any money to buy drugs, yeah. so yeah, he hasn't seen that. We get a line that says, I can't believe a year went by so fast. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah, me too. And then the next line we get is, I should tell you a prize. So you told me this was finale A. Yeah. We're already at the finale. Yeah. We literally jumped a whole year with a funeral mm-hmm. as the one thing in the middle. We've not told a story of a year. Yeah. We've told a day that happened 10 months later. Mm-hmm. Roger sings his masterpiece to a dying Mimi. Yeah. My least favourite song is Your Eyes. What a waste of his year. If this is the best he could come up with. <laughs> this is the one that I... So normally when we watch these, I say what the song is called because when Danny takes notes, he takes notes by song. And I said, oh, um, I haven't told you what the song's called. It's Your Eyes. And you were like, yep, yeah, I've got it. that, thanks. <laughs> he literally has two lyrics. This in song, song is so bad that Mimi dies so she doesn't have to give him <laughs> feedback. Now, you got a lovely bit of uh, information about this on Twitter. Yes, the musical man. Who's our, our bestest podcast yes. musical buddy. <laughs> so I sent out a tweet saying, I'm currently watching Rent. Uh, let me know thoughts on it. What do you think? Yeah. And I got my hopes up that this might actually go somewhere. So in the original recording of this, yeah. as Mimi comes back to life, or is it as she dies? No, it's when she comes back to life. You know, in this one, yeah, in the okay. film, she comes back and she says, there was a tunnel and a, some light and I saw Angel and Angel told me I had to live. Whereas so, in the stage show... I get a tweet that says, Mimi's mooing the show's final moments. A big choice. I'm thinking, what? There's more mooing? I've seen Adina Menzel encourage a protest fire mooing. Yep. There's a moment in the original Broadway cast recording that wasn't recreated in this film, likely because they know it's insane. Yeah. Musical man's words, where Mimi wrenches herself from death's claw to explain, I jumped over the moon! Moo! Yeah. As if Maureen, what Maureen was saying meant anything. I would have been here for that, I think. I think that would have this killed mo- you. <laughs> this, moment need, this, this film needed something to make me laugh at this point. Mm-hmm. She's died, and she's literally lying there dead. And within ten I seconds, she starts she's twitching. she's unconscious, and that Roger just is done. Yes. So yeah. So I wrote. Oh wait, she lives. Yeah. Angel sent Mimi back. Yeah. Could we not have seen that? No. Nope. Maybe. Might have been a better choice. Yeah, probably it might have been. <laughs> Finale B. I just think they're very rooting over Marksville. He's invited them all here for the big premiere. Well, I doubt it has any sound on it, considering he recorded it on a yeah. billion-year-old camera that doesn't have a, any sound like audio equipment with it. Yeah. Yes, and then the last thing we see before it goes dark is the actor who plays Angel smiling. And I told you that there's an alternate ending. Yes. You've not watched the alternate ending. No, the alternate ending is the stage ending. Yes. They all appear under the spotlights again, like they do at the beginning. Beginning. Except this time, Angel isn't there. Her spot is empty. And then the actor who plays Angel walks through the audience, up onto the stage, squeezes Colin's hand for a second, and then walks off stage into the darkness. 
which is powerful. Yeah, like, I, I'd have done is... that. I'd, I'd have put that in. Yeah. Bookend your film to be the opening and the stuff. Because mm-hmm. as it currently stands, that opening doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because it's supposed to happen three times. You get it yeah. at the beginning, beginning of Act 2, and the end of Act 2. It feels like they're predicting something. They're telling you. It's almost like Blood Brothers in the way that we're going to show you how you measure a life. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you figure out whose life, who, who's the star of this narrative. Yeah. So you're watching it kind of intrigued. What, do I, what am I going to take from this? At the end, have that motif return mm-hmm. and have it be clear that this is whose story it was. Yeah. The one person that connected all of them. Yeah. And it's Angel. So. Yeah. This, at least this version of the film, I'm not going to say Rent, because I'm fully aware that this is a filmed... This is a version. This is a version. This is a a Hollywood adaptation. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to tar Rent with the same brush. Yeah. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the stage version that maybe it does more. Yeah. The problem with this film is the same problem I have with The Greatest Showman. Why do I care about these characters? Sure, there are some catchy songs, mm-hmm. and I'm going to add some songs to my playlist because there are some songs I really enjoyed. Yeah. Out Tonight, absolutely yeah. rock. Take Me or Leave Me, amazing. Rent. Yeah. Adore It. Even the Tango Maureen. That was fun to sing along to. Yeah. So there are some really good songs. However, there is literally no character depth whatsoever. The same issue I have with The Greatest Showman. It is a musical montage. It exists to go from one song to one song to one song to one song to one song. Mm -hmm. I don't give a damn about any of the characters presented here. Yeah. I agree with your point of trying to show me something that's culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. From my perspective... Angels in America does it so much better. Yeah. Like, 100%. I know what you mean. This is trying to use a different medium that potentially does have more football than Angels in America would have Mm -hmm. to tell us something important about the world's history and this pandemic, the the AIDS crisis. Yeah. However it fails, because I don't care enough about any of these characters to care when they die. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Sure, Collins loses the love of his life. But I don't know Angel enough to care. I don't know Mimi enough to care that she's nearly died. Yeah. I do not give a damn about any of these characters. They exist solely to die. Basically, yes. And that's bad storytelling. Yes. The dynamic so... of this should be about the friendships and feeling this gut-wrenching pain when one of them is wrenched away from them. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going for. The issue is... Jonathan Larson, who wrote it, should have been there for the previews of Broadway to take that kind of criticism and feedback and make changes. However, he died the morning of the first preview performance of Broadway. He had really bad chest pain and he was dizzy for a couple of days and then they took him to hospital and he died of an aortic dissection which is an aneurysm, essentially, the morning before it went on, which is tragic, obviously, but it means that any changes that would have been made would have been a disservice to him. Yeah, you've got to present it in his final vision. Yeah, which is why at the end of the film, there's a special thanks to him. I missed that. Yeah. Did he, was it AIDS-related? 
No, he had a, an aneurysm in his brain. Yeah, I just wondered if it was chest pains and things like that. No, he had uh, an undiagnosed health condition, but that caused it, but it was not HIV related. Which is sad, and obviously potentially he'd have worked through mm -hmm. issues. Yeah, and so they said that the when it went on to Broadway, its first performance on Broadway, his friends and family all went to see it yeah. because that's his thing and it's open and you've got to. At the end of the performance, the audience sat in silence because the people that were at that first performance were people who knew him. Yeah. And they sat in silence until somebody in the back shouted, thank you, Jonathan Larson. And then the audience all clapped. It's very sad. That is very sad. Yeah. I think the biggest problem with this narrative is the idea of over a year. Mm -hmm. We could have a shorter amount of time. In yeah. the musicals we've seen so far, typically they are smaller scope. Like Mamma Mia happens over 24 hours we kind of came up with in the end. Like it's... Yeah, it's three a, days at a it's push. It's three days at a push. The longest one we've watched is... Phantom. It spans a few... Like there's a year gap in between the chandelier. Yeah. There's a year gap at the interval. I was going to say Interval Woods, because there's a gap in the middle as well, but it's not as long as there. It doesn't feel like there's a gap there. It feels like it feels like it could be the next weekend because fairy tales get married quickly. Which should be nine months. Yeah. But most of the things we have watched on this podcast are quite a short. They are quite a short. Yeah. Span. You know, even like the Newsies strike, it could be a month or two at a push. It's a couple of weeks. Yeah. The problem with this being timed a year, that being the gimmick of it, and then within a year we only see Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's, New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day, which I'm going to count as one day because realistically what time is that? Halloween. And then we skip to Halloween. That's a long time to yeah. jump. And then we skip back to Christmas Eve. We only have six days yeah. in a year. I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. Who's your MVP in this version? Collins. He's a phenomenal singer, and I think he... You can see all of the emotion that is in his performance, which yeah. probably comes from having played his character for such a long time, but he did a really good job. I can get that. I said Rosario Dawson. Mm -hmm. I did not expect a performance like that from her. The dancing was incredible. Her singing was incredible. Yeah. I don't know how she translates to Mimi's representation on stage but for me she felt fun yeah I think she's very similar to the stage version yeah what's your best song Ooh. probably Tango Maureen I just enjoy it it's a song that's been on my playlist for years and yeah I'm gonna say two mm -hmm. Rent Now Tonight Rent is fun, and I really liked the... It's a nice big number. It is a really good big number. I like the style of it, and I really loved the visual of all the fire falling out. Mm -hmm. Out tonight, it's just fun. It's yeah. full of energy. Like, I loved it. Yeah. My my least favourite song is Your Eyes. Is it? Mm-hmm. My least favourite song is Over the Moon. I didn't count that as a song. It is a song. It's on the soundtrack. I didn't count it. Yes, she sings. I didn't count it as a song. Because there's a lot of talking in between. I, that would not be soundtrack. Like, that is not something you could listen to on a soundtrack. I know, right? In, Why in is it form. on the soundtrack? Don't get me wrong, Adina Mendel's singing on it's fantastic, but 
it's not a good song. So, yeah. okay, if that's an official song, that's there as well. Your Eyes are over But there. then, yeah, Your Eyes is, is one of them. I also, do you know what song I really like as well is, um, I can't remember what it's called, but the, the one that Roger and Mark sing. We're living in America. What You Own. Yeah, that's kind of a bop. If it wasn't them, I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah I think I didn't care about that song. Which I think is part of the problem. Yeah. At this point, things going back but too quickly. But I think quickly. If, if that song was on like a rock album, like a compilation oh, yeah. album. Oh like yeah, it felt like a Bon Jovi song. Yeah, that would be a good song. Yeah. Which role would you want to play? Well, my choices are Maureen. And I'm not super hyped about that. Joanne? Joanne's black. Is that... Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I can't play Mimi either. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm kind of stuck with Maureen, and that's the worst role. I hate her. I've, I've left it blank. There's nobody I'd want to play in this. No. No. I would like, right, and I said this when we were watching it, I would like to play Mark, but I would like Mark to be a woman, and then I would care. Yeah, I, could, I would rather see that version right? of Mark. Right? If Mark was a woman and her girlfriend dumps her and immediately gets with another girl who is basically you. Which I think gets away, get, gets out of that bisexuals are greedy. Yeah. Which is like, what Like, oh, I... look at the really flirty bisexual that's just going to cheat on everyone that she dates. Exactly, and I think that's a problem. It just makes Maureen a bad guy, which is how she should be. Yeah, that's, that's a problem with the representation. She should just be yeah. a lesbian. Yeah. Like, that's it. There should be no shades of grey. And if we had Mark as a girl living with Roger, they get on, they're just mates, and then, like, then I could understand your problems. Like, if the plot was the reason Mark doesn't live at home is because her parents don't accept her. Yeah. I'm more on board with you now, as opposed to this, like, pasty 30-year-old who, oh, I hate my parents so much. How awful for you. And keep that line where Maureen's mum says to Mark, oh, maybe the two of you can get back together now and just have it be that her parents are racist. Yeah. Because it kind of doesn't, like, change yeah. that at all. Yeah. Because it's just as bad. Like, mm-hmm. they're kind of homophobic in, oh, well, maybe you can get back together because they're demeaning that her feelings are... It's that, it's that horrible thing of bisexuality as a phase where either like men or you like women, there's no middle ground. There is a middle ground. Mm-hmm. There's a fantastic... It's not even a middle ground, yeah. it's just the yeah. alternate option. I know, and I, I don't understand the meaning for it, because bisexuality is just as valid as, as homosexuality, else. as heterosexuality, as yeah. everything. It's just as valid. But the way Maureen is presented here, it's like she just goes back and forth because she's got all the options. Yeah, and it annoys me. Yeah. However, you never see her flirt with men in this film, no. which is so weird. Yeah. She, flirt, she flirts with Mark, but she flirts with Mark because she knows she can get into yeah. two things. So mm. I gave this one star. I'm not surprised. I know you, you weren't a huge fan of it, I mean, but there are some really good songs. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm only giving one star for the songs I liked. Mm-hmm. As I said, I'm, I'm reflecting this on the movie version of I'm not going to say every version of Rent is one star. Yeah. You've told me enough to pique my interest in watching a recording of the stage show version of Rent. You've said there's one out there. 
Yeah. I'd quite happily give that a try. The songs were good, and you've said enough about the idea of Mark narrating things. Mm-hmm. I would love to give that one a try and see how it compares. Yeah. This version, not for me. Okay. Potentially all of it, not for me, but I'm specifically saying this version, one star. Okay. The performers are doing everything they can with what they're given, which isn't much. I'm not critiquing their performances. Mm-hmm. I'm not critiquing the songs because I really liked the songs. I really liked their performances. Yeah. They're all fantastic performers, but they're just not given enough to do with it. Mm-hmm. Am I going to have more fun next week? Hopefully. So next week we are watching a theatre recording. Yes. As opposed to a movie version. Cool. And we are going to be watching live from the Lincoln Centre. So a big deal over in America. But we're going to be doing another Rodgers and Hammerstein. Which I know you haven't had fun with in the past. But we're going to watch Carousel. Yeah, I've not had fun with Rodgers and Hammerstein. But I think the versions of Rodgers and Hammerstein we've watched so far. Have been movie versions. Been movie versions. But also movie versions that are very much of the day. Yeah, Cinderella is Cinderella kind of... is kind of off the day, but yeah, okay, I'm, I'm here for that. I like I say, I really enjoyed Sound of Music, mm-hmm. so I know that Rodgers and Hammerstein are capable of fantastic musicals. Yeah, and the the version we're watching is Jesse Mueller in it, yeah. who's the original Waitress. Jenna from yeah. Waitress. And I'm sure if I'd watched the version of Oklahoma that was recent, yeah, the Alley Stokes, I'd have liked that one. I'm sure. Mm. I think it's a show that needs modern sensibilities to maybe change a few things. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm here for watching a recent revival of a yeah. show. Cool. Cool. So we will be watching Carousel. Mm-hmm. After Carousel, I think you've booked After us Carousel, in. it's Annie again. So we are going to be going... Because it'll be August. Back to Annie. We're going to be watching the Kathy Bates version of Annie. Yeah. Fun fact, Chris's favourite version. Cool. Yeah. So this is really interesting. We actually have programming for the first time where we can say in advance we're going to know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Have you thought as far as, you know, what are we doing after Annie? Have yeah. You, so do you, want to, do you want to say what we're doing after Annie now? So we're doing Carousel, then Annie 2.0, and then Chicago. Okay, cool. I'm excited. Three films that I really like. And we'll see if I like them too. I hope you do. You like Kathy Bates, you like Jesse Mueller. I do. And you like Rennie Zellweger, so. She's okay in Bridget Jones. Yeah. I turned off Chicago halfway through because I was bored, so. Well, you might like it better this time. So, stick with us. August, we have got the three fantastic shows. I'm sure we'll add a fourth to that in due time. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Let us know your thoughts on Rent. Have I got it really wrong? Try and convince me otherwise. Like, I'm here to be convinced. Perhaps there's something I've missed in my blind rage that you can educate (laughs) me on and tell me that this is why you should like Rent. As I say, I'm judging the 2005 film version, not Rent in all its forms. We might revisit Rent at some point and maybe I'll be more positive about it. Yeah. Maybe if they release a good version of the stage show. Yeah. So you can follow us Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Podbean, on Google Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so that you know when our new episode launches each Monday. Mm -hmm. You can email us at... It's musical. 
Pod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Give us suggestions. Is there something you're really desperate to hear my thoughts on at the end of August? Yeah, and let us know who for next week for Carousel I should draw us as for the cover art. Yeah. Because I'd be interested to see what people think. Yeah, get in contact. We've had a lot of good interactions this week mm-hmm. off the back of our Pride and Prejudice episode, perhaps the highlight of which was Justin Mortaliti messaging us on Instagram made our day. And another shout out to that show. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't watch Rent this week. <laughs> watch Pride and Prejudice again. Until next week, where I'll be on a carousel of emotions, I'm sure. Yep. Have a magical musical Monday. See you next week. Same bat place, same bat channel. <laughs>